0: Here at Quark's, customer satisfaction is our primary concern.
1: I'd say we just found our way into a wormhole. I'm Kira Norris. Lieutenant Commander Worf reporting for duty, sir. You're the best crew any captain ever had. This may be the last time we're all together. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfleet... One of our most important posts
2: it is quite simply commander the journey you have always been destined to take sensors are not functioning
1: we've lost all contact with the space station
2: what the hell is happening out there
1: shields up <laughs> damage report battle stations i'm captain benjamin sisco welcome to deep space nine
2: listen to the prophets a deep space nine two true freaks presentation with sean engel and Dr. And
1: now with 100% more Paul Spataro.
0: Doctor
3: Bill. Hello. Doctor Bashir.
0: Doctor Bashir. No,
3: I'm. Uh... Oh, too quick. So... Kettle still boiling. Oh, sorry. Take your it's time. All right. No worries. We've got plenty of time. No, you've not. You want to go to bed? Oh, I'm. I'm actually. I'm actually feeling pretty good. <sighs> yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see in an hour and a half from now. All right, Andy's going to get some tea. Um, pip pip. Pip pip, cheerio, and the scones. Wink and wink, say them all, say them all. Drive on the wrong side of the road. You know, have better health care. I don't know, and add superfluous U's in words.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> they do do that, don't they? Yeah. I
4: don't they, know what they're thinking.
3: See, you know, when he spells when color is spelled with a u, you know, how do you pronounce our? Do you pronounce it whore?
4: I do. (laughs) Okay.
3: I'll I'll be back in a whore. I'll be back. What?
4: In one or with one.
3: (laughs) Depends upon how I'm feeling. Or or how, you know, whether my credit card gets denied or not. Wasn't John Tesh actually on the next gen? Yep. Yes, he was. So there you go. Wasn't he this character?
4: Nope. No, he was not. (laughs) I believe he was a Klingon.
3: Oh, oh yes, he was.
4: The whole
0: Wharf's um, I don't know, rite of passage. Ha- happy that birthday, Worf. Here's some pain sticks. Pzzz. He was one of the Klingons in line when they uh, zapped the crap out of Wharf.
4: Okay, and who can blame them?
0: He deserved it. They're
4: asking for it. With that outfit he was wearing, he deserved it. <laughs>
3: Dressing up like an hour. I mean, whore. <laughs> 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 Back to the bin. Back for so good.
4: He's right on schedule. It only took like an hour.
3: <laughs> or a whore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Andy has no idea what we're talking about. He doesn't no, care because he has
2: tea. Uh, no, because I have tea and toast.
4: And crumpets. And. Right, so no, while, while we were no. killing time, I just posted this week's episode of Back no. to the Bins. Uh, what uh, what is it this
2: week? <laughs> Bill, was I have
4: no idea. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even on that one. Here we You're go. You're not. Well, I'm running out of episodes because we haven't recorded this week. So, for that reason, we're recording at a strange time with strange people. Strange brew, look what's inside of you.
2: And there's none stranger than us.
4: I might as well just bring us right into it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Listen to the Bins. I mean, back (laughs) to the prophets. I I mean, well, we're on some show here. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am joined, as always, well, kind of most of the time, by my good buddy, Dr. Bill Robinson.
0: No, no, today I'm Captain John Tesh.
4: And we are joined by my cohorts from Listen to the Prophets, Mr. Sean Engle. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Andy Leyland.
2: Yay, I'm on bins. I love bins.
4: You haven't been on bins in a while. You've been avoiding us.
2: I've not been avoiding you. It's trying to make it all work.
4: No, now, you know, it used to be you'd say, oh, I like being on bins. You know, you ask me to be on, I'll be on. Now it's, oh, it's kind of late over here. I don't know. (laughs)
2: Well, you know, I like sleeping, and I like my wife, and you put those <laughs> two together, and the choice of that are hanging out with you, lot. What would you choose? I choose. Dude,
4: will she have me?
2: Oh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> Badum, bum, I'm, oh gonna, I'm gonna get the next into, the next flight over to Europe. I'm coming over.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hang <laughs> well, out with you Angela. You go to Europe because that's nowhere near me.
4: <laughs> You're not in Europe.
3: No. Yeah, terrible. they're not part of the EU. That's all, that's all, you know, you opted out of the EU, didn't you? Oh, well, yeah. but
4: still, you're still part of the continent.
3: <laughs> well, well,
4: well, you're part of the world. <laughs> but Europe is Actually, a continent, and, and Great Britain is in that continent. It's kind of like Hawaii is well, part
0: of the United States. Well, I mean, Great Britain's an island, so it's not really a continent.
4: All right. yes, yeah, so fine. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm just moving it te- to sleep with Angela. <laughs> oh,
2: <Whoa>, okay. Okay. <laughs>
3: the lengths that you will go to for women uh welcome to illicit affairs weekly
0: <laughs> hey wait a minute my wife's been out of town for a week where you've been paul
4: <laughs> you know i mean you haven't been in you, toledo have you i'm thinking of it like kind of like the vampire legend where you know it's it's not right to obviously to sleep with somebody else's wife but andy invited me he said what would you do
2: <laughs> no i said what would you rather do i didn't invite so you, you know, that's an invite I, what would I you rather do I'd what rather, are you vampire? I'd, <laughs> I'd rather
0: sleep with <laughs> suddenly i, I just call in <laughs> To
2: do, just to do your own show, well, that's a lack of dedication to your listeners, quite frankly.
4: <laughs> I think my, I think my listeners would understand.
2: <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's nice to be on Ben's.
4: And we won't. We will not be doing any more untoward discussions of your wife, because, as as much as I might find that amusing, I do think it's inappropriate.
3: Oh, she'd smack you.
4: And I don't blame her. <laughs>
3: And Paul would like that as well. I might. I don't
4: know. <laughs> yeah. Just
0: stop, stop, stop. I'm just picturing <laughs> Paul as Lestat. Now Paul in a gimp suit from Pulp Fiction. I I don't want. I don't, I don't want to go to your suit. house. Why now. do I always
4: end up in the gimp suit in your mind? You scare <laughs> me with out. What gimp... <laughs>
0: uh... well,
4: well, would you rather be, Zed? Zed's dead, baby. <laughs> You know what it is? She's she's gonna make me and Andy fight to the death, and still she will have Sean. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and still she will have Sean. <laughs> Brilliant! Well done.
0: Somehow I see uh, Scott and I leaving Paul's house
4: in June, and we just look at each other. We
1: cool. We cool.
4: <laughs> What's gonna happen now? We're gonna go medieval. <laughs> <on> JFK Airport. <laughs> Uh, So, we thought it might be fun to bring Listen to the Prophets to Back to the Bins, and to do that, we decided we are going to cover the first three issues of the Malibu comic series, Deep Space Nine, and that's why Andy and Sean are here, to bring us their deep knowledge of Deep Space Nine, or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And Bill is here because...
3: Because he won't go away.
4: Bill, why are you here...
3: Because
2: uh, he's got I don't a, even, he's got a toilet stuck on his head And he needs our help to extricate himself from that predicament
0: I'm having a hard time reading books with this toilet seat on my head
2: <laughs> Especially with the sunglasses on, dude Are you Bono?
4: <laughs> I've often seen Bono sitting there in concert with a toilet seat on his head
3: <laughs> It would not surprise me Couldn't be any worse than their last album
0: Ooh. Oh really?
3: I don't know. I haven't even listened to it. it. It showed up free on my iTunes thing. I tried to delete it. You can't. <laughs> but like a bad virus, it just wouldn't go away. Sadly. Sadly, yes.
4: I like Thanks, some YouTube's, you, YouTube, YouTube songs, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, a Bono fan. So that tangent is done for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't God. plan it as a
4: tangent. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, anybody have any, uh, any comic book or Star Trek news they feel like sharing before we start talking about issues?
2: Uh, uh, I just got the second issue of Princess Leia, which is the new Star Wars series, which has Star in the title.
4: What, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, cause we're talking, I just said comic news. It doesn't have to be Star Trek. What do, what do you think yeah. of that series? Because to me, the artwork looks kind I... of iffy.
0: Yeah, I didn't get it just because of the art, but that's
4: me.
2: Really? See, I like it. The other two series are very heavily photo-referenced to the point, excuse me, where they're taking me out of the story. Because, like, obviously, as a long-time Star Wars fan, I'm going, that's a still from Return of the Jedi. That's a still from Revenge of the Sith. I'm not getting that from Princess Leia. He's Hmm. capturing the characters without them being slavish to the likenesses. It's a little bit goofy in places because it's the Dodson's. But Mark Wade, I think he's telling an interesting story. It's this is directly after A New Hope, to the point where the credits roll, and then the this story begins with Princess Leia giving a speech to the rebellion, which obviously we didn't see in the film. So it's picking up directly after that.
4: The the, uh, the the scroll at the beginning seems to be the standard because they did that on in the in the Star, Star Wars proper series and they're doing it in Darth Vader as well.
2: Yeah, but yep. the you could remove that from the Princess Leia one and it's if you imagine the last shot of Star Wars and then the credits run. This takes place immediately after that last shot of Star Wars. Princess Leia gives an inspirational speech to the Rebellion. And uh, it's basically all about her not wanting to be just wrapped in cotton wool because she's the last surviving member of the royal family of Alderaan. I mean, I have to admit, Scott Riefen said this was the lesser of the three. And I'd be interested in hearing why he thinks that. Because I, for me, the lesser of the three is the main Star Wars book. Because it just feels like well-worn ground at this point. Whereas the Vader and the Leia ones are at least, yeah, we've seen it all before. Vader hunting down whoever it was who destroyed the Death Star or whatever. But at least the focus on character makes it a little bit more interesting than the main Star Wars book. But I I think I may be put off by the main Star Wars book a little bit by John Cassidy. Yeah, I can
4: understand
2: that. I said before the book shipped, he's technically brilliant, but oh so very boring. And I still think that. Hmm. Yeah,
3: that's... Go ahead,
4: Ball. I was going to say that's that's a fair description of Cassidy. I think because he does he draws very nice images, but I, I, I think his storytelling lacks dynamism. And, and yeah, uh, it's, it's and, a
2: series, It's a collection of stills rather than an actual sequential narrative.
4: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I, I, I But let's... I I think, I'm sorry, we keep stepping on each other here. I was just going to say, I, I think of the three so far, I didn't read Princess Leia, but of the two that I have read, I think the Darth Vader series is, is superior.
3: Yeah, I'll have to agree with Andy. I'm really liking the, the writing specifically of the Princess Leia one. I think Mark Wayne's got a good idea of the character of Leia, uh, you know, taking her as sort of a, a very young princess and her desire to, because the idea now is the the empire has decided to try and wipe out all the remnants of people who are from Alderaan. So they're going out and putting a price on the head of anyone who's from Alderaan. And uh, you know, Princess Leia is trying to essentially find all the remaining survivors of her planet and gather them up and try and save them. So it's an interesting story. The artwork, yeah, is a bit cartoony, but I I don't mind it. It's it, it's very it's very fluid. It doesn't have that sort of like I said, photo reference feel that uh, Darth Vader and Star Wars does. I I, I also have to agree that Star Wars is the one that I find the most lacking because it just does feel like this is stuff that we've already done before and they're pulling from movies and they're pulling from uh, other comics and what. And the Darth Vader and Princess Leia ones seem to be going their own route and taking it their own way. Go ahead, Paul.
4: I was going to say, I, I, we talked about this before, and, and I thought it was a misstep to make their first shot you know, a, after reacquiring the property to go for the time period between Episode 4 and Episode 5 again. Uh, I, I really would have liked to have seen them really come at it hard with, here's what happens in between Episode 6 and Episode 7. I'm sure there's stories that could be told there that aren't going to be spoilers for the movie, but maybe start just laying some groundwork for it. Uh and, and I think that would have been something that really would have pulled, you know, pulled people in and, and, and touched on their imagination to the point where I I, I think that would have been the best the best thing right out of the shoot. Well have, I
2: agree because that if you think about it, that trade will come out in June, which will be perfectly ramping up anticipation for seven in December.
0: Well, they've got a new um there's a new series that'll be coming out, I believe, in September, and it's called aftermath and it takes place right after episode six and also they've got about 20 different books slated to come out this year between now and when the when the new movie comes out that will set the groundwork for the existing universe
4: basically the new eu um, for the um, for the new movie Um, yeah i mean i was sure they were going to do something like that Mm-hmm. At some point, but I think my my point is just from a marketing point of view and from a fan point of view, I would have liked to have seen that as the the very first thing they did.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like imagine the marketing they could have put behind that. Want to know what happened after Return of the Jedi? Star Wars number one.
4: Right, but now it's going to be
0: Star Wars aftermath number one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that a comic series or a book?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Right. That's 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 coming out. Uh, I I believe in September is uh, is when that's going to come out. Yeah. There, there was a blurb on uh, that I saw on Facebook that there's like 20 different books, different uh, children's books and novels um, that are going to not give away anything but set things up for uh, the next
4: movie. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure. I don't know what their storyline is for the next movie, but I'm absolutely sure that they can hit on things that will be interesting to watch that will not necessarily give away or create any spoilers for the next movie. So I, I think there's plenty they can do. Yeah.
2: Well, I was just thinking about this the other day. If you think about it, it's the first time since 1983 we'll go into a Star Wars thing and not knowing what the hell's going to go on. That
3: right? yeah, is true, because, you know, we knew that initially the the prequels would have to deal with, you know, Anakin Skywalker becoming Vader and the Clone Wars and stuff like that. So it was pretty pretty much predestined what was going to happen there. The episodes 7, 8, and 9 are pretty much blank slaves. Mm. So we're going to this blind. So that's interesting. Um The only other comic thing that I picked up recently was I – and I I know it came out a week ago from the time of this recording, but I picked up the first issue of the uh, Marvel Comics adaptation of Howard the Duck. I don't know if anyone was interested in that. I I saw it
4: in the store, but I did not pick it up.
3: I found it to be one of the most – one of the funniest books that I've read in a long time. There's a lot of subtle humor in there. Howard as a – as basically a private detective – in fact there's one there's one little nice sort of subversive scene where he's advertising in front of movies and he's got a sort of internet type pop-up ad that comes up on the screen and the uh phone number that you could call to get in touch with howard the duck is one eight or is like uh the new york city area code and then a duck D U K dick because he's a detective so it's you know Five Eight O Duck Dick, which I thought was hilarious. It's just little subtle things in there. It's an interesting little tale. Uh, 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 let's see, what's his name? Chip Zdarsky, who's doing the uh, writing of it, has got a really good comic timing. Uh, it uh, it plays in with uh, the Marvel universe. You've got Spider Man coming in there trying to help out Howard. Uh, he's working in an office with a uh, uh, She Hulk, and uh, you know he's trying to steal. Uh, clients from her. And I thought it was really kind of a fun. And yes, the art the artwork's kind of cartoony as well. But I, I thought it was just a fun kind of read. And it's one of the the first Marvel books in a while that I've actually put on my pull list that isn't Star Wars. So I, I really enjoyed it. Did anyone else pick that up or thought about picking it up?
4: I didn't, but now I'm now I am thinking about it.
3: <laughs> it's you know at least give the first one a try. I mean, yes, at four bucks a pop, it is kind of a uh, a big purchase price, but uh, you know, if if you don't like the first one, you don't have to pick up any other ones. But I I found it rather amusing. Maybe I'll give it. A and show. I killed the show. You killed the show, dang you! Well, there you go. How well if you're thinking about the original Howard the Duck movie, that would kill any show.
4: <laughs> I you know I haven't seen the the original movie since sometime in the 1980s, but I I, I don't remember it being quite as horrible as the. uh, as the reputation is. It, you know, I remember it not being good. Don't get me I, wrong. I, I liked but, it. I don't know what everybody, everybody has this big beef about it. I mean,
0: Lee Thompson was great.
4: I don't remember it being in any way offensive or unwatchable. I just remember it being kind of like, eh, it's all right. And it's <laughs> such, a, such a catchy theme song,
0: too.
3: Is it? I, I remember Duck Tits.
4: That's
0: basically. Duck Tits? That, oh, yeah.
3: Yes. Uh, that, I remember that and being disturbed by that. Was that okay. was that a TV show, DuckTales? No, so,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, coming yes, it from was.
3: Disney XD,
0: <laughs> Disney Triple XD.
3: <XXXD. laughs> <laughs> oh yes. dearie, there's a new that channel you have to subscribe mm. to. You have to pay ninety five a month extra to get those.
0: <laughs> Hannah Montana, the later years.
3: No, uh, we're seeing them,
2: and it's not pleasant. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Oof. Sadly, sadly, no. Hey, y'all.
4: Whoa. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) Deep Space Nine, huh?
3: That was some kind of series. They they, they made some comics out of this show, didn't they?
4: They did. And uh, thankfully, I guess they were not produced by Dell. (laughs) Because their adaptations of TV series were, let's just say, uninspired. Uh this series started in 1993. Now, what what year did a uh, DS9 come on? I don't remember off the top of my head.
3: 92. Uh, yeah, 92. So this this is basically set in the first season. If you look at the character designs, especially with Cisco, he's still got the he's still got the short mm-hmm. crew crud. He's not bald. He doesn't have the goatee. yet. he doesn't have the uh, uh, Spencer for Hire look. So
4: well, we just started season two on uh, Listen to the Prophets, and he still has the hair there.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't think it's till at least season three that he goes for the whole uh, that character look.
4: Right. So I, I wasn't able to tell if this is supposed to take place in two or three or one or two rather. Mm-hmm. But in any event, it started in August of 1993 from Malibu Comics, and I don't think at this point Malibu was uh, was was in any way owned by Marvel yet.
0: Not yet. I don't think that came that came. I want to say
4: 94, 95, you no. Yes. It, it wasn't too far off, but I don't think it had happened yet. Anyway, the, uh, it was August 1993, and issue one had a cover price of $2.50. And owing to the time, it came out with four different covers that you could buy. One was a cast photo. Then there was a fairly good drawn cover. Then there was a gold embossed version of the drawn cover. And then there was a limited edition black and white cover of the station. Uh, none of which really make you say, ooh, I need to pick up this this series. <laughs> but just the same, you know, they, they, they remind me, especially when you start getting into the photo covers, It just it's almost like they're hitting you over the head and saying, hey, this is a licensed series. And that to me is not necessarily a good thing. But anyway, <clears throat> issue one. The story is titled Stowaway, and it's written by Mike W. Barr, penciled by Gordon Purcell, inked by Terry Pallette, lettered by Patrick Owlsley no relation to the owl, edited by Tom Mason, and the issue opens with showing the respective series regulars, followed by a long shot of the station and the wormhole with a ship emerging. The story opens in Lieutenant Dax's science lab where Keiko O'Brien has brought some of her students but she's thrown off a little bit because Jake and Nog are missing. The two of them are off engaging in some mischief resulting in them breaking a jar of green liquid. Jake taunts Nog for liking Lieutenant Dax and they start to play Starship Captain but run off when they're startled by a strange green blob-like substance and they are they make like they make like a tree and get out of here. Okay. Leaving our young troublemakers, we join the captain, who, along with Chief O'Brien, are meeting with John Tesh to take possession of some artifacts that were found in the Gamma Quadrant by an archae- archaeologist named Dr. Hosiah Wembley. But they don't get the opportunity to meet with him at that time. As O'Brien takes the artifacts to a turbo lift, he's overcome by the same substance that Jake and Nog encountered. He's beamed from the turbo lift before he's seriously affected by the substance. Dr. Bashir says that the substance is some kind of mold that had been sealed in the storage bay and was dormant but was caused to grow now. It seems that it absorbs oxygen and produces a toxic gas. Odo calls in to report that the substance is on the promenade, promenade, excuse me. We see quarks where people are being evacuated and have a mourn sighting. The mold envelops quark, but Odo changes into a rat and somehow pulls quark out. A Cardassian in the shadows emerges with a smirk as the area is evacuated. On the bridge, they're exchanging theories, and of course, Kira accepts that it is a substance used by Cardassians as some sort of bioweapon. Sisko rejects that theory and is contacted by John Tesh, who offers assistance. Dr. Bashir meets up with Garrick, who doesn't seem to really have any knowledge of what's going on, but in a Garrick-like way kind of says it so that you don't know if he knows what's going on or not. Sisko is at odds with John Tesh, because because of the belief that the Gamma Quadrant artifacts might be causing the mold outbreak. John Tesh refuses to allow them to be tested, and and beams back to his ship with the artifacts. At that point, they decide to fight the mold with a fungicide. Jake and Nag are arguing over whether they should fess up to letting the mold loose, but they don't. Meanwhile, dressed in biosuits, O'Brien, Bashir, and Dax set off to test their fungicide. Bashir has premature fungicide ejaculation. They come up with life signs and are able to remove an alien mother and child from the fungicide. Excuse me, from the mold, rather. Only, oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, are able to, to rescue an alien mother and child, but the fungicide only briefly repels the mold. mold. Sisko <laughs> receives a message from Dr. Wembley, who quickly dismisses the thought that his artifacts have caused the troubles, and signs out. This is immediately followed by a call from Galtukat, who indicates that the growth was created by Cardassian scientists and that they can destroy it if they are given access to the station. The story is to be continued. Uh, Do you want to do the continuation first and discuss it, or do you want to discuss this one now?
3: Let's go ahead and get this one out of the way and then we can move on to the second one.
4: Get this one get out of the way. I think you're, <laughs> you're revealing it a little ugly.
3: <laughs> yeah, because I loved this one. This was great. <laughs> We're
0: just so riveted. Uh, we got to know what happened.
3: You know, it's, it's an okay story. I mean, it's no worse than Move Along Home. But that's kind of faint praise. <laughs> it's kind of faint praise. Uh, like a lot of licensed comics it suffers greatly from trying to balance the idea between photo referencing the characters and then having the characters in dynamic poses and doing interesting things a lot of artists can't seem to get that right they can't get they can't get the characters looking like the characters looking like the actors and also have them looking dynamic within the comics so this kind of is one of the thing that that, that this comic has as a failure to it. Um, uh, I don't know. Anyone else want to talk about it? Um. Yeah, I
4: totally, <laughs> totally agree with you on the photo referencing. I think it suffers for uh, for that a lot. And, and just to, to jump in on that point is when we mentioned earlier about John Tesh, It is there is no doubt whatsoever that this is John Tesh in here. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think that what they did was I think they decided to use a photo reference of an actor of sorts, uh, because everybody else is photo-referenced, and if you had an original character in there, he wouldn't look right. And now the, the, the question is, okay, if you're going to do that, and, and I've always had a problem with that. If you're going to photo-reference somebody who's not supposed to be the actor that you're using, don't use somebody who people are going to recognize. That's a mistake.
2: Well, That's the latest like- page does thank him for the lightness, right? Does it? I didn't I didn't read that, so I don't Yeah, maybe the letters page to number two, but one of the letters pages thanks John Tesh for allowing them to use his likeness. But he was in an episode of Next Gen as well. Mean, so I'm getting i I'm getting from this that John Tesh is a Star Trek fan. Yeah, he might have even requested to be on it in, yeah. in it.
4: But just the same, it it takes you out of the story. Not that you could get all that deeply into this story anyway. Mm. Uh but it, it does you know, it it just makes you totally conscious of what you're reading at all times and doesn't allow you to let your imagination run wild at all. And that's, I think that's a mistake.
0: Well, you know, they did so good with the photo referencing of everybody else, it just seems like they didn't really get Garrick that well.
4: I don't think they did so well with everybody else. I think I think well, C- Cisco looks like kind of like a, I don't know, a little troll-like in it. In some shots, but it's like
0: almost every shot of Garrick does not look like Andrew Robinson to me in the Cardassian makeup now maybe it's because uh, the Cardassian makeup was throwing the artist off I don't know but it should just be if it's a photo reference it should be a photo reference it shouldn't be I, I don't know it, that, that was my I guess a nitpick
3: yeah the art really isn't consistent throughout the book there are some scenes where the characters look really well photo referenced but then there are times when they just look like they just threw it out. The, uh, like I said, for the cover, the characters on the uh, on the drawn cover look actually pretty pretty good to 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 what the actors in the show look like. But when mm-hmm. it's inside the comic, it's just kind of meh.
4: Yeah, I, I i i think of the characters in here, they seem to have done the best with getting the like likeness of O'Brien to actually look like Kalmini, but. Again, as as was mentioned, it, it suffers from the fact that in order to do that, you don't have him in you know poses that that really would be normal comic poses. It's just much more stiff looking. Uh, I like I said. I think they did a poor job with Cisco. I think he. I really think he looks bad in most of the shots. And I, you don't see much of her, but I think Kira looks horrible. Oh, like on she's, page eight? <laughs> Where well, she's got the high forehead.
3: <laughs> yeah, she looks like a metaloon in there. This Island Earth. Holy oh,
2: this cow. Island Earth reference! Well done.
3: Yes, you're welcome.
4: Uh, you know, <laughs> you Bush, got, like, Bashir looks eyes. awful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Throughout the entire issue, and it felt like an episode of the show in that it was a stock plot. Oh, look, virus gets released on the station. Oh, how do we handle it? Oh, and this well, is let's almost like a, we
0: can do it. This is all, all almost like a stock next gen plot.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and you know, so I suppose we give, I mean, Mike W. Barr's a great writer, he's wrote some great mm-hmm. stuff, this isn't one of his better efforts, it's just a stock idea, it's been done a lot of times on the show, probably better than it was done here. Probably? Alright, better than it was done here, and it just, no, it was just a little bit meh.
4: Yeah, I, I agree totally, I, I it felt, if I had to come up with a one word description on it, I'm going to say uninspired. I can why? completely get down with that. Why does Gold? De-
0: How and why does Goldacat show up? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, well, I'm
4: I'm thinking that the Cardassian that we see smirking early—that that's not a—I uh, don't think that's oh, Carol. Okay. See uh, that that and and I, I think he gets word to uh, to Goldacat. Okay. That's why he's smirking. And Goldacat, I don't know. Like they really at this point hadn't shown any desire to retake the station but that seems to be the desire here that he that they they're looking to to reacquire it
3: well and is it's just cardassian in hiding because he he obviously <clears throat> is speaking on that on page 12 he's talking to someone after Odo or you know the bald-headed guy rescues Quark from the pile of whatever
0: it, it's it's just no that's that's garrick because he's wearing the same clothes when they meet him later in um, yeah, it's
2: it's supposed to be Garrick. It's a terrible drawing. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's Get why out. I said that. That's why I said it, that they did not do Andrew Robinson any justice. But his clothes are exactly the same
4: in, well, on page sixteen, I just thought he was wearing 12. a traditional Klingon a, a Klingon Cardassian outfit. I don't yeah, know. You I you wouldn't I have didn't think there that many Garrick when I read it. You wouldn't
0: have that many. Uh, Garrick's the only car the, the only one on the station. There's no other.
4: Cardassian yeah, well, I'm, just I'm walking right. around on stage. And that's why I that's, thought he was hiding in the shadows.
3: Exactly. Mm. I thought there was another Cardassian on the station trying to infiltrate or something. So that's weird. Yeah, but that's, again, that, that,
4: that speaks to the artwork uh, that we can't even tell 100% whether it was or not. I mean, Bill, you certainly may be right, especially with the point about the outfit. But as far as the art, it's it's it, to me it's impossible to tell if they intended that to be the same person based mm. on the face it doesn't look like the same face to me, but that could just be the inconsistency in the art. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, I just you, you know, it it seems like they, because of the photo referencing, they tried to go with like very very thin lines and very light inking, and I, I don't know. It just there's points where it seems to work and points where it doesn't. The sequence where they go in with the fungicide and they and they're spraying it and stuff. Uh, because there aren't that many facial shots in there, that seems to actually work fairly well on an autistic level to me. But every time that they start showing close-ups, it fails.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: So, alright. Has yeah, anybody got any other points on this, this gem?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> alright.
4: I liked uh, the so text
3: I page would, uh... about
2: visiting the, next gen- the Deep Space Nine set. That What's was that? good. I like the text page at the back about visiting the sets. That was good.
4: That really isn't the
2: story, though. <laughs> <laughs> you asked us, did we have anything good to say? <laughs> no, I asked if you had anything to say. Yeah. All right, well, there you go. That was good. All right.
0: So, I like do, we, that. so do we have some grades on this?
4: Yeah, I was just going to go there. Uh, I'm only I... going to rate the drawn cover of the cast, and that I feel is quite good. Uh, you know, it, it, it looks like the drawing that you should have for the first episode of a, or first issue of a licensed property. My biggest criticism of it is just the difference in sizing of the people. They don't seem to fall together naturally. And, and, you know, I, I'm not sure like, you know, why, why is Odo's head so big <laughs> compared to other people? But other than that, everybody on it seems to be pretty well rendered. Uh, they all re- look like the actual actors and actresses. um, and, and I like that they're all, they're all looking at the uh, reader with kind of serious looks on their face. Like, what the hell are you looking at? Um, I'm going to give the cover a B. I think it's, it's solid. The interior artwork is so inconsistent and so photo referenced and so static. Uh, I'm going to say I'm not going to go as bad as F because there are some good images in there. But I'm going to give it a D. I, I, I'm not happy with the art at all, but there is a couple there are a couple of shots that I'd say are good. I, I did, like I said, I like the sequence where they come in with the fungicide and they, they start shooting away. Uh, and that's what keeps it from being an F for me. The story is, again, one we've heard so many times. every Star Trek series has a story similar to this, uh, and probably every one of them was better done than this. So I'm going to give the story a D minus. And overall, I'm going to give the book a D.
3: Okay, I'll I'll go ahead and take it. Uh, I agree with you on the cover. I think everyone looks good. I do wonder why they're all giving us the "Hey, what are you doing here?" look, but I think they're all, they're all they're all the photo reference on the cover. I think is fine because it's a static shot. It's supposed to be like a poster image, and it's supposed to catch your eye. So this does a good job. I'm giving the cover a B minus. The space station it's a bit off, but I think they do a better job with some of the ships and everything in the next book, the interior art. Yeah. That's a little bit of a problem with it being specifically with them trying to photo reference stuff. It makes it just really stiff and awkward to look at. You can't have, it seems like artists can't have photo reference characters as well as the characters having dynamic action throughout the book. So The interior art, I'm giving a C minus. The story, it was just pedestrian. I mean, it didn't excite me and it didn't offend me. So I'm giving it a straight middle of the road C for that. I think my overall grade is probably going to be, I guess, a C for the book. Next.
2: <laughs> um, I don't have anything to add you to I haven't already said. I think that the cover's good. It's a Jerome Moore thing. He used to do covers for DC Star Trek. And it just seems like all Malibu has done is, is pilfer from DC Star Trek to create this book. So the cover's okay in that, you know, it's a poster kind of way. And it is a poster in the middle of the book, so there you go. Story wise, yeah, it's it's nothing we've not seen before and done better. It's not terrible. But it's it's not great. So the cover I will give a solid C because it does what it's supposed to do, and the story, yeah, D.
0: Well, I don't really have anything else to add to this either, but I have a special, extra special grading just for Sean Angle, since he's here today. (laughs) Oh, because Because we know how much you love my grading on um, Listen to to the Prophets when I'm on and how I have to change everything. So, my grade for this book today will be 3.14159265359 bars I'll uh, press latinum.
4: Thank God I don't have a spreadsheet on ratings on this show.
3: <clears throat> you know, on the next on the next back to the bins where we're not on, I expect you to give Bill an inordinate amount of shit, Paul. <laughs> I don't Please. know if I can give him
4: much more than I do already.
3: <laughs> no, uh, uh, I, yes, you can. For that, yes, you can.
1: You're going to get pile the it on pretty thick. A
3: shag line here in a second. Ooh, don't, make me, don't make me give No Dems fighting words. Uh. <laughs> uh. Okay, All right, well, why don't we
4: move on to issue number two?
3: Yes, let's move along home to issue number two. Uh, 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 this one was cover dated September 1993 and had a cover price of $2.50 in the United States. The title was Stowaway Part 2. Same writer as last time, Mark W. Barr, penciler Gordon Purcell, inker Terry Pallett. Letter, David Lampier and the editor was Tom Mason, and the synopsis goes this. In Ops of the space station, Deep Space Nine, Commander Benjamin Sisko negotiates with Gull Dukat over a way to rid the station of a Cardassian-created mold that's causing havoc all over the station. Of course, Kira calls Dukat on his lovable BS, but Sisko politely calms her down, telling Dukat that they have the situation under control. After dressing Kira down for overstepping her bounds when the big boys are talking, Sisko calls Captain John Tesh to see if he can be any help, but much like his radio show, Captain Tesh is worthless. This prompts Sisko to formulate a plan to find just what the hell is going on. He calls Constable Odo to ops to formulate the plan, but before Odo can make it, the Green Ooze infiltrates his office, forcing him to shapeshift into a bird and fly away with his bucket and his talons. As the situation gets worse, as the situation gets worse with more members of the station having to evacuate their living quarters, Cisco tries once again to get some answers out of John Tesh, but once again gets cold shoulder. Fed up with a shit, Cisco beams Dax and her completely not a shapeshifter backpack over to the Armstrong to try and figure out what the secrecy is all about. Back on the station, things are getting worse as Jake succumbs to the mold, leaving Bashir to find leading Bashir to find that is infiltrated the replicators, or environmental systems, I'm not really sure. Over on the Armstrong, Dax finds out, after she and Backpack Odo beat the shit out of John Tesh, the most satisfying part of the book, that old Doc Wembley has been dead all this time, and his artifacts have nothing to do with the outbreak of the mold. Being made back to the station after the Red Herring, Dax and Bashir find the mold first appeared in places frequented by children, and after rounding up Miss O'Brien's students, Jake admits that he and Nog were to blame for the exposure. Dax finds, Dax finds that the mold appeared on these student shoes and through science, discovers that if they let the mold smell its own farts, it will kill it, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Crisis averted, Jake and Nod get scolded, Goldencott gets pwned, and we try to forget that we paid $2.50 for this book. The end.
4: Goldencott <laughs> gets
3: pwned. Uh,
4: uh, uh, you know, nice, I... Nice, nice synopsis, Sean.
3: Well, you know, I... I, I, I See, I'm horrible about you know, doing synopses on the fly, so I had to write this down. Uh, it's it's not a good continuation of the story. Again, the artwork is flawed by the fact that it has to be it has to be photo reference. There are some good designs, you know, when uh, Purcell does the ships. I think he does a really good job with the the ships in the book, but but overall, it's just. You know them. It's almost a Scooby Doo type ending with you know uh, Old Man Wimbley, you know being the the red herring in the group, and uh, it just didn't do it for me. He would have so, gotten away with it. So so I'm. So, if it weren't for those dad damn trills. So <laughs> shapeshifters.
0: So I'm the captain of a starship, albeit it is a science vessel, but it's still a starship. I have responsibilities. I have to. I have responsibilities to my crew, to the Federation. So I'm going to jeopardize my career because a scientist died a little too early and falsify reports and documents and keep a body on ice.
4: Well, the (laughs) alternative is you go to a planet and start it on the Nazi culture.
3: See, isn't that what John Tesch does like every day? He (laughs) He starts Nazi cultures. Well, that that as well. But I was thinking more about keeping a dead guy on ice.
4: Oh, Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I. I'm looking at the artwork here, and uh, has it gotten much better? It's funny because there's certain shots that I think did. I think the sequence with Odo turning into a uh, bird and getting his thing, I think that came out really good. Uh, the one action shot of him giving uh, giving the guy the elbow in the throat. I think that's a that's a pretty good shot. Then you go to like the uh, the shot of John Tesh and Professor Wembley down in the ditch. And clearly, John Tesh is posing for a picture while they're down there.
3: <laughs> he is. So,
4: I mean, it, so it goes back and forth. Kira still looks terrible, although they did get her uh, mom pants down, right? <laughs>
1: um,
4: he, you know, there's, there's the one shot with, uh, with Cisco carrying uh, Jake. Uh, it looks like they committed, to me, one of the... One of, one of the, the cardinal sins of artwork is when you draw a young person, to show that he's a young person, you make him little body, big head. Um, I hate when they do that. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, as in the first issue, it's inconsistent. There's some good stuff, there's some bad stuff. The shot on page 16, at the, or excuse me, uh, 18, at the top with uh, Cisco talking to Keiko, uh, it looks to me like it's cut out of a Mad Magazine parody.
3: It does because Bashir looks like he's a horrible representation of an Asian stereotype. He's, he's got a really high forehead and he's got his skin actually looks somewhat yellow, and his his eyes have that sort of the, the sort of obnoxious you know 1940s Captain America <laughs> almond eyes. It's bad.
4: So the, the, to me, the story is every bit as <laughs> inane as part one. And the artwork is just about as inconsistent as part one. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to the cover now, and I'm looking at the like Cisco looks like he's dancing the Macarena.
3: Yeah, and, <laughs> and what's the hell? You know, Odo's the supposed to be you know Mister Action here. What's he's doing <laughs> in this sort of crouch down type pose? He's what getting ready, ready to hike the football. Him? Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's like
0: they're all ready for the latest Madonna video, I guess, or something. <laughs>
3: And then, of course, the green ooze is just sneaking up behind them, and they don't even notice it.
0: Ugh. It carefully opened the airlock and is now sneaking out.
2: You've been uh, pretty silent,
4: Andy. What do you think?
2: I don't actually remember reading this. <laughs> 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 I did read it, it's, because, it. and
4: I think that speaks volumes because it is just forgettable.
2: Yeah, I, I did read it because I remember thinking that this is the dumbest captain in Starfleet history. You're talking about John Tesh now. Yeah, um because I thought, w- you're just going to hide a dead body on the ship and hope no one notices? <laughs> Nobody yep. notices that the guy's dead? The whole crew's in, in, whole in on it, too. Yeah, the whole crew's in on it, it. It's, uh, yeah, Is he dumber
4: than John Harriman?
2: Yes, because at least John Harriman has the potential to get better, because it's his first command. Presumably, this guy's been a commander for quite some time. But and he's, he's making... also
4: on, on the radio and giving tips for life.
2: And, well, he's uh, also on Entertainment Tonight, was it? So, you know, he's, obviously, <laughs> he's obviously a very, very busy man. But and, l- the fact that I don't even remember reading it, apart from certain little bits that imply that I did read it, says everything, like Paul says. It's yeah. a, a, a distinctly unmemorable episode of the show. You watch it, it was all right while it was moving wallpaper, but at the end of it, you're like, did I read that? <laughs> okay,
4: just... Yeah. just uh, because it came up uh, with the last uh, book Uh, on the, I guess it would be the letters page if it was late enough in it for them to have letters. Uh, It says special thanks go out to John Tesh musician and star of entertainment tonight (coughs) uh, for graciously allowing us to use his likeness for captain Johnson in the first two issues. And a very special thanks to Paula block of paramount for helping us pull the whole thing together. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs)
2: Like I say, it's not awful, is it? It's just—it's not great, though.
4: You know, it's—it's. Yeah. It's, we've said in the past that one of the, the the biggest sins you could commit is to be boring, and you know,
3: <laughs> <laughs> this, this may be uh, committing that cardinal sin because yeah, it's really—it's not even—it's not even move along home bad. If it was move along home bad, we could make fun of it. It's not even. That kind of bad to make fun of.
4: Yeah, Move yeah. Along Home was so bad that we've been having we've been laughing at it since we finished that episode. This, when we move on to the next comics at some point and do issues four, five, and six, uh, this 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 has nothing to. We, there's really not going to be any point to reference back to this unless we say, "Oh, these issues are as bad as those," or "These issues are as you know are better than those." That's going to be the only point of it.
2: Yeah, it's no Jaws.
4: It is no it's, Jaws. It's no it's, Jaws three.
2: I was just ah. going to say, it's not even a Jaws 3D. No, it's. Ah. Yeah, it is. No, Jaws the yeah, have...
4: Revenge. At least I'd have I'm... Michael uh, Kane. Yeah, yeah, at least i have no Michael no Kane shot. in it. Instead of John Tesh. <laughs>
2: there is no shot. I, I think I'd rather have Michael Kane. Michael Kane is a ship's captain. I got a dead body down here in the morgue. You were only supposed to blow it up with the bloody phasers. <laughs>
4: I was going to say, you're not doing a true Michael Caine Im- impersonation unless you work the word bloody in at some point.
2: <laughs> some Cardassians just want to see the world burn.
4: So, okay, Sean, it's your book. What are your Okay, ratings?
3: All right. Uh, cover, the, the cover gets a D. It's bad. The characters just look really, really wooden. The scene doesn't make any sense. What the hell? They're supposed to be looking for this green mold, and it's sitting right behind them. Are they that dense? Uh,
2: it's behind you! <laughs> it's silent mold. No,
3: it isn't. It opened up the airlock itself. <laughs> it's it's pretty smart mold. It can open up that big, spinny, wheel airlock. Uh, the interior art, again, a D. Well no, I'm going to bump it up to a C minus because, and then that's faint praise because there are some scenes in there where they get the Cardassian uh, ships and like the exterior shots where you've got the science vessel. Those look pretty good, but most of the characters, even though they're trying to photo reference them, the photo references still look really inconsistent and really bad. It's just, Yeah. And finally for story, like I said, it, it was a Scooby-Doo ending with Old Man Withers being dead all along and Jake and Nog getting punished for something that if they would have fessed up at the beginning of the uh, I- issue would have saved us a lot of time or a lot of money. It would have saved us two fifty, you know, back if <laughs> we would have bought this. Thankfully, I don't think any of us went out and bought this for two fifty when it was out.
0: I'm hoping. I bought issue one and I think I did buy this
3: as well. Uh, I I, I pity you Dr. Bill I pity the fool (laughs) Well and and not just for buying this issue Hey There
0: I think we have an email about this stuff Paul
3: (laughs) No we don't (laughs) Yeah we do But we won't read it on this show Maybe we'll do
4: that one email I wasn't going to do email this episode But maybe we'll do that one email uh, Before we sign off Okay Uh Yeah. Andy, you want to give yours? Uh,
2: The fact that I don't even remember it means I can't really give it a good grade. (laughs) Up to you. I'll I'll go with a D. Just overall? Yeah, the fact that I don't remember it says everything that needs saying. I only read it on Thursday. It's only two days ago.
0: Andy, Andy, I read it an hour ago and I think I forgot (laughs) part of it.
2: Oh, I don't feel so bad then
0: yeah my standouts were the Kira Mom kardashi or what what are we calling that her mom outfit mom pants mom pants, mom pants yeah, the onesie, the mom onesie the Mumsie she's wearing a mumsie that's it. um but yeah, it just uh, the cover yeah I'm, overall d minus for this just yeah. goofy with the ending makes no sense that somebody would go uh, like i said would go to that to that extreme just for just just for a scientist that he probably just met on this trip you know unless you establish something that this scientist was his mentor i don't see him uh,
2: ah
3: this didn't make any sense did it no just, it obviously just hurt Doctor
4: Bill's mind.
3: Just realized that it's John Tesh and it's awful in every way.
4: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up a lot from what you guys said. I'm gonna give it a D. <laughs> I, the cover is terrible. I'm 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 tempted to say an F on the cover. Uh, just because the poses are bad, the thought process behind the cover is bad. Uh, the individual faces, I guess, aren't horrible. It's the only thing that kind of takes it up to a D minus, maybe. Uh, but otherwise, I would give it an F. The color palette's not bad. Uh, you know, I found the positive. <laughs> okay. Well,
3: that's that's <laughs> All right. That's,
4: the that's, interior art is, again, suffers from... From uh, photo referencing and it suffers from inconsistency. There are some good shots in there. I'm just looking now, and I, I really it, it had escaped my notice until just now uh, on the first page, the splash page at the upper right. That's a pretty good shot of uh... The ships don't look bad to me. There's a couple of sequences, like I said, the shot of uh, Odo turning into a bird is pretty good. Uh, the shot of him giving the elbow to the guy's throat, I think, is pretty good, but m- more often than not, the artwork is, is either very very stiff or doesn't look like the people, despite the fact that it's trying to, or isn't telling a story. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, also a D minus on the artwork, and the story is so who cares that that's getting a D minus too. So the book is getting a D minus on on all three levels.
2: Is that the lowest rating for anything since Apollo Smile?
4: Oh, no, F Troop was F. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I think F Troop may have been the most recent badly rated, you know, that badly rated book. But, that yeah, I occasionally we get a loser in there. And you know what's, what's? Uh, I guess, the thread running through them, a lot of time the losers are licensed properties.
2: Hmm. Seems it's quite way. hard to get your licensed property right, though, isn't it?
4: Yeah, but once in a while they do.
2: Yeah, once in a while, the new Doctor Who comics are brilliant.
4: So you know it, it can be done. It just you know it, it takes a level of care and thought that sometimes they don't put into these things.
2: Should we do number three then?
4: Uh, so hopefully, people are still listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They'll still be listening. They're going to listen because
4: they say, "Wait, I got to stay on until Andy does a book."
2: <laughs> you think?
4: Oh yeah, they, they, you know they they already know we got bookless bills, so they know the third book is you.
2: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Issue three of uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, was $2.50 back in the day when that was uh, a lot of money. The cover, a Cardassian screams in the background whilst Odo's head is front and center with like a yellow glow around it. Around him in what looks like jigsaw puzzle pieces, Akira, Bashir and and Quark. It's all right, isn't it? Does it? (laughs) you know, it's a cover. Old Wounds was by Mike W. Barr, Rob Davis and Terry Pallett. Uh, the story was somewhat similar to this. Over the protestations of many members of Starfleet, Gul Trela, a Cardassian general, is visiting Deep Space Nine. Trela, despite his reputation as the butcher of Bajor, was born on Bajor and was also a former commander of DS9. None of this impresses Kira and Cardass. And Cardassian tradition be damned, there's no way in hell the provisional government of Bajor will agree to him visiting the planet. Sadly, whilst they will not let him on the planet, as Kira uh, surmises, they are happy for him to stay on Deep Space Nine. And he arrives in just two days. Trilar made a few fret Noof god, I can't read today. This happened when I did my last synopsis, didn't it? Trillar made few friends in his time on the station, having run-ins with Quark, Odo and Kira. But all are shocked when Trillar arrives, not only with his son and daughter, but with a Bajoran wife. Shiri was one of a number of Bajorans accused of terrorism by Trellar, including Kira. So Kira, in her usual bull-headed fashion, makes it clear she has no fondness for what Shiri has become. This spreads over to dinner, where she gets into it with Trellar, who suffers a heart attack as a result. He's rushed to the infirmary and ordered to rest, but in a story point that came as no surprise, next morning he's found dead, stabbed three times. The computer reveals that nobody entered the room after Dr Bashir locked it. Odo is on the case. His investigations lead him to conclude only one person could have killed Trillar, his son, Orm. Orm apparently reprogrammed the Suite to kill his father, as his father would not let him take a transfer to another ship, preferring to keep him under his own command. Given that his father was dying anyway, it didn't seem to make much sense to speed up the process, but whatever. The end.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not arguing with you on that.
3: Yeah, the quicker you could end this one. Well... I don't know. I thought the story was a little bit better than what we got before, but oh man, <laughs> if if it could have, the artwork took a step down. I don't know how, <laughs> but the artwork is even worse in this issue than it was in the previous two
4: i'm gonna I'm gonna totally agree with you because it 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 doesn't it it has all the negatives of the previous, but I can't find any images in this where I say, well, this one stands out as being good.
2: I like At that
4: least
2: the, the cast, other ones I could. I'm sorry. I like that the, I'm just gonna say I like that the cast David Carrad- Carradine as Gul Oh, you know I hadn't noticed that, but yeah. See, yeah, the time have, it kind
4: does. See, si, 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 as Kill soon Bill. as as
0: soon as they said the butcher of bejor I immediately went to the butcher of Bakersfield and Me thought too. they should have had Arnold Schwarzenegger in here it's as Gultralar.
4: The hell, yeah, with Goul. You?
0: Goul Trelar.
4: There's <laughs> innocent people down there.
0: They just want food. They are just the terrorists.
4: <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't see any images in this one that I like, so I do agree with you that the art is actually worse in this than its than, than its predecessors.
0: I, I couldn't tell... Oh, okay, I ha- I hate to sound like a uh, a racist, but I couldn't tell one Cardassian
2: from another. I'm like, what? Well, my, my problem where? was with the Bajoran women. At the bottom of page seven, is that Trela's wife or is it Kira? Which where uh, is it? Page
3: 11? I page assume seven. that was Kira, I assume. Yeah, because she's having her nightmare on the next...
2: Yeah, yeah, but, that's but his, his wife is in that as well. That, that's yeah. the point that I was trying. I couldn't tell which one it was supposed uh. to be.
4: I think it's Kira. <laughs> Only from the storytelling point of view, I think it's Kira, not because she's drawn so well.
3: God, no, she isn't. And and this really suffers from you know we've we mentioned with the you know with the licensed comics and then having to get the looks of the characters that when they put them in action poses they look very stiff this takes that to another level the stiffness of these characters is just ungodly awful now I'm looking at page 10 there again coming back to the ships the sh- the Cardassian ship up there on that top panel that looks really good but everything else, the characters
4: ugh ugh yeah, bottom- I'm, I'm not even giving the credit on the ship because it's highly, you know, not very highly detailed anyway so Not they got they got yeah, the shape
0: of the ship correct. It's 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 less detailed than they were last issue. But page fifteen, for some reason, the bottom of page fifteen where um Gull is having his heart attack or whatever, and Cisco <laughs> he's leaning in because it's it's <laughs> He just looks so comic booky. I mean, granted, we're looking at a comic book, but it's like he's leaning his head over and yelling, "Doctor Bashir!" Like he's leaning into the panel so we can see him.
4: Yeah, I noticed <laughs> it's just, that it's as, so as well. so ridiculous. I, I, yeah. I noticed that same thing, and I thought that... well, I didn't think that he was leaning in the way he did, but but, but I noticed it was like how he's leaning
0: in. He was like, "Oh, you know, this other panel's a little my way, and you can't see my full face, Doctor Bashir."
2: Ah. <sighs> I did and like that scene that Kira basically turns a shrimp off him, and then Odo goes and says, "I don't, f- I don't think there's a smell in here. I'm gonna go." And then O'Brien says, "Uh, yeah, I've um, I've got um, I've got something else to do as well." So I did like that. they all bailed out on him.
4: Now, from a storytelling point of view, uh, my my note on this was I called it deep space cliche. Uh, it's like, I mean, again, it's another story. How many times have we seen it? And the one saving grace to that is on page 18 when Odo says, it's the IboDan case all over again,
3: because <laughs> uh, it really is. Yeah, and, and the thing is that I actually liked the, what was it, The Passenger, which was the episode. I think, I think you and uh, Andy were kind of disappointed with that, but I actually enjoyed The Passenger episode, so I didn't mind them having the reference here. But yeah, it did feel very samey, as Andy would say.
4: But, you know, it, when we did that episode, we said, you know, this is this is a uh, you know, it's a story we've seen so many times before. So what do you do when you when you start writing the comic book? Take that episode and build on it and do it over again.
0: Yeah. And
2: uh, then it's, it. To give him benefit of the doubt, it's possibly had this in the works when that episode aired, and he just went, oh, shit, I've got the same plot here. And he dropped that line in.
4: Oh, I, I give him credit for being self-aware enough to say it, at least. Yeah. You know, uh, what? Why did Shiri have a uh, a mask on when they came aboard? Is that just for the shock of having her unmask?
2: Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, because otherwise it wouldn't have worked as a dramatic beat. I mean, it barely works as a dramatic beat anyway. So.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah. she looks like she's and, the the uh, the owl from uh, from Watchmen. Yeah, mm. it it seems like such a plot contrivance to even the whole story. Like, why would why would the Federation want to give in to this guy's desires to come into a hollow suite? He's got to come to the station because he wants to go to Bajor, but they won't let him go to Bajor. So he's got to come to the station so he could use a hollow suite to recreate Bajor. Why can't he use a Cardassian, Cardassian hollow suite? Why does he need to come onto the station? And why would the Federation even agree to it? I
0: mean, because you can't even, I don't think you can even see Bajor from the station. So it's not like he can look out a window and look at the
2: world. Yeah, it's not like he's, he's in the sunlight of his home planet or something like that, so that makes it all work well. It's, it's just not very well thought through. And the problem with it is as well, because Deep Space Nine generated this really tight continuity, we know he's never going to get mentioned as being a commander of Deep Space Nine ever again, because we know there's an episode coming up that goes into the backstory of Territ Noir. So ultimately you're left with having read an issue that was exactly the same as an episode that you've watched that you didn't really think that much of anyway that you know is going to get contradicted in a future episode so it's largely pointless and we wasted our time reading it.
0: Uh, the only defense is that is they could have had more than one commander but 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 still I agree with what 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 you're saying on that I mean but but they oh, well, be, oh, all right.
2: maybe we could have had it. he was in charge for a week in between <laughs> the other commanders taking over. <laughs>
4: The interim the commander.
2: Interim, yeah. And in that week, he pissed everybody off. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, did everybody see Morn?
3: Um, what page was he on? I thought I saw him in
4: here. He is on page 13. Or at least I think it's him. I can't tell for it's... Sure. Oh,
3: yeah, that looks in the shadows over there on the mm. bottom panel. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He gets a cameo. So Morn appeared in more, in more comics than he did in second season episodes so far.
4: Well, we have not seen him through two episodes. So. That's true. But we've seen him two, in two out of three of the comics.
3: Uh, that doesn't improve the comics all that much,
4: unfortunately. Which you would think Morn would step it up a lot. Well, Morn keeps it from being an F.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs>
4: there you go. Okay. Actually, wait—is he on page five too? There's a shot of somebody at the bar. I didn't think the guy that in the middle. Mm. Can't tell absolutely for certain, but I didn't think it was him. Next to the catfish looking guy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Uh, Yeah, it it might be him. Photo reference, I don't know. But,
2: uh,
4: alright, Andy, this is your book.
3: (laughs) Gee, thanks. Sorry.
2: (laughs) I didn't think it was as bad as the first two, because at least it was done in one, and it's told its story competently, if not particularly interestingly. And at least I remembered reading this one. Only because so you had to do the synopsis. Only because I had to do the synopsis, yeah. <laughs> but that at least says something. I didn't, you know, I didn't completely forget that I'd even read it. Um, I, th- I think it's a D, again. It's not terrible. Mike W. Barr's too good of a writer for it to be terrible, terrible. But, yeah, the art's variable, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you start thinking about it. Uh, and it's not particularly interesting. And it's it kind of it kind of exposes the flaws of Deep Space Nine as a concept, it's fine on TV to have a show set in the same place every week because you've got moving actors and visuals and stuff to keep it interesting. In a comic, it's just a lot of people standing around and it doesn't really make it that interesting. So, yeah, D, and the cover's not very good either, so I'll give that a D and L. Letters page isn't even fun this time.
0: <laughs> we need get the
2: bonus. I don't think yeah. much of the bonus pin-up either.
0: I was going to say we got the bonus pin-up, which was
2: meh. Argy the Bleak Jr. gets a letter, you know, he writes for comic book resources, I don't know if that bumps it up a, a rating point. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
4: Yes, uh, as much as I can appreciate Augie's presence, no, I agree. Uh, why is Odo the biggest face on the cover?
3: Well, unless you're talking about cackling Cardassian, whoever the hell that's supposed to be. I don't. Well, know. But, but
4: Odo's front and centre. He's still off to the side. Um, well, there's,
2: there's another Cardassian behind Odo's head, but you can't see him properly because of the price.
4: Yeah. Mm.
2: I wonder if this cover was written either for an issue that didn't happen, or if Mike W. Barr just gave the cover artist a brief summation of what the plot was about, and the cover artist just went off and did his own thing. And why does why does Odo have fear in his eyes like he just saw uh,
4: Vedic win naked?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, in 1959. Uh, in Maverick, she was a bit of okay.
3: That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, because I think this this cover I think was probably done by Gordon Purcell because it looks a lot more like the other the art from the previous books. But the interior was done by what Ron Davis? Yeah, Rob Davis. So there's there's an inconsistency. The uh, the the creators on the cover say that Purcell is supposed to be doing the interior art, which he isn't. Mm
4: Yeah, I think on the cover, I think Kira and Quark look okay, but that's it.
2: Yeah, Kira looks really good.
4: Mm -hmm. It's the first shot in three issues. It's the first, I think, and only shot of Kira that I think looks good.
2: (laughs) You know, I I have horrible visions that you're going to suggest we cover this comic for its entire run. You may be correct. I haven't Uh... fully thought that out. But
4: I may, and you know what? Oh dear me! The, maybe the strange live,
2: tales of deep space
4: nine. We'll will we'll think about it. We'll see if it makes sense. I'm not going to force anything on you, <laughs> but we'll see.
0: Yeah, he'll just force it on me, and it'll be. I'll, I'll just have to do one episode, one issue at the, and he'll tack it on the. T- you guys can tack it on the tail end of your. Uh,
4: of listen <laughs> to the prophets. Stop the If, don't you, if you feel these, like taking on that task.
3: I don't want- God, why so did I we, suggest that? To, yeah, so long as you're doing it and we're not, we're fine with it. Sure. Yeah. Let's do
4: the DS9 right. comic book corner. We could add it on to listen to the prophets each episode.
2: <laughs> now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Doctor Bill reads DS9 because we couldn't be asked. <laughs> but we we we'll, we'll,
4: we'll revisit that in the future. Uh, Maybe I'll do it Tom Harris style. And I'll do it voices. Well, so would what, would you give it? you gave it overall a D? Yeah. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm giving this one an F. I think the cover is kind of.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I just went. I'm giving it an F for
4: terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, I think the cover is not in any way indicative of what's going on inside. It doesn't. Well, have now to wait, to a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute.
0: I think what they tried to do with the cover is with all the puzzle pieces is that there's because there's a mystery inside, and that's the only. All right, never mind.
2: <laughs> yes. I'm the, giving, cover, I'm the, giving cover the cover is indicative of the story in that those characters are in the comic.
0: Yeah, there you go. And there's a mystery. There's a puzzle to be solved, which is
4: why they're puzzle pieces. Except uh, the I mean, streaming content is you know, <laughs> not uh, I'm giving the cover an F. I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think it serves any purpose. I'm giving the interior art an F. I can't find one image in here that I think, oh, that that looks good, that's eye-catching, that's dynamic, that's anything. I can't. Uh, And the story, (laughs) I'm giving a minus.
2: Anything to say about it? Brilliant.
4: (laughs) I I can't. I can't. I can't find anything. The story to me is totally uninspired and boring, and and uh, so just put together for, you know, you know we'll, we'll come up with some stupid story about some Kardashian general nobody ever heard of and nobody will ever hear of again, but he's so important that we have to bend over backwards for him which is, and, and and
2: get a hollow suite. It's just, it's stupid. It's just out had, out had it been an episode, do you think you would have been a kinder to it because you could have just sat and watched it and played on your phone or whatever while it was happening? Or do you uh, think it would have been a crap episode as well?
4: I think it would have been a crap episode. I really do. Unless the only thing that possibly could have elevated an episode is if the acting performances were so good that they brought it up a notch, but story wise, it, it's stupid no matter how you slice it. So I'm, I'm going to give the story a D minus just cause at least it tells a linear tale. Uh, <laughs> so, but I'm giving the book overall an F.
0: I got two more notes and they're basically about the first page. Uh that admiral that's there isn't that like the same admiral that later or that we had previously seen on uh, next gen that they always gave Picard shit. If like, it is, it's a bad shot
4: of her because her hair doesn't look like that.
0: Yeah, but that that's who I thought maybe they were trying to portray. And then the next thing is that this is this this first page is basically just demonstrates the whole idea that shit rolls downhill. <laughs>
3: because,
4: yeah.
0: The one guy saying, "No, the president wants you to do this," and then she calls up Cisco. "No, you're gonna do this," and then Cisco says, to "Everybody else, uh, yeah, we're gonna do this." And uh, but yeah, I've got, I have no other defense of this book other than you know I thought maybe they were going with something a little different on the cover, but you guys are shooting me down, shooting me down. So I no, you you come up with your own rating. Don't worry about what we shoot down. Do we have negative ratings? Oh, sorry. yes. They're called F. <laughs> it would be G. I'll give yes. I'm going to give this a G for gugh. Gach. Gach. They're serving dead Gach. I don't think Gach would even eat this. It would just just slither off and go away and go ooh. Uh, well,
3: I can't disagree with you guys. I am going to be a little bit more polite on the cover. I'm going to give the cover a C minus simply because it. It it, it looks the best out of everything in the book, which really isn't saying much. I don't know why Screamy the Cardassian is over there (laughs) salivating behind Odo and why Odo has the Force shield from the uh, Star Trek, the animated series, uh, you know, haloing around him. But whatever. Uh, The interior art. Yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, it's a D minus. It's just a really big step down. And that's, that's sad to say because we really didn't have good things to say about the artwork in the, the previous two books. And story, uh, C- minus as well, uh, because it, it, it's, a narr- it, it's a cohesive narrative. I like the fact that it kind of played on the idea of the passenger, but it does it even worse. So yeah, so overall probably what like a D. Eh. This isn't really selling me on wanting to read any more of these Deep Space Nine books. Yeah, the disappointment to me really is that I can I
4: can live with bad, but it's they're bad and they're not fun bad, mm-hmm. they're just bad bad so far. I want to I want to read ahead a little bit and see if if there's things that look to be more interesting to talk about. Because if there aren't, then I think we're not going to cover them, or at least I'm not going to suggest that we cover them. Uh, but if but if I find things that you know, oh, I think we could have some interesting conversations about it, then I may ask you guys to cover them.
3: I'll support you on that. If you, if you find out that they're crap, we'll just drop them like a we'll just drop them. It's okay. late or early, and I can't get my metaphors straight. So not a problem. Don't
4: don't even worry about it. We'll drop it like a hot piece of gach.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that too
4: all right before we uh call it to this deep space nine love fest uh bill you wanted to read one letter in well you can read it if you No, want. i
0: i don't want to read it
4: No, no no i insist you're gonna have to put it in my my chat window because i don't have oh. it open right now
0: all right well i do have it open so i guess i'll go ahead and read this this comes from uh mr tim elliott and it is regarding back to the bins 190. Or, and the medal goes to. It says, greetings all. I just finished Back to the Bins, number 190, and I have a question for the group at hand. In the beginning of the episode, Scott explains his philosophy on the different eras of Superman and other DC books. He felt Superman did not really have a Bronze Age. It sounds like Scott feels books, DC in this case, should be categorized as gold, silver, or bronze based on story and tone, and not by time of publication. I'm not trying to put words in Scott's mouth, if you are hearing slash reading this, Scott, I apologize. This was this was the vibe I got. My question to the group is, how do you feel about classifying books into their respective eras? Uh Great show, guys. Tim Elliott, Texas. P.S.
4: All oh, right, the episode's over. The email <laughs> <middle> is done. <laughs> Let's talk about gold and bronze silver.
0: We could talk about that. Then we can come back to the P.S. if you There's like. No P.S. Yeah, it's right there. No I'm P.S., it
2: only right Zool. Here. Uh, Well, to address his question... Hey, hey, I haven't finished the letter yet. (laughs) We'll come back to that later. It's a PS, and I've got to go for two o'clock to drop Anna off at ballet. It depends on on your comics. I mean, I've said before, the Golden Age, Silver Age, Marvel didn't really have a Golden Age, unless you consider the Golden Age to be the Lee Kirby run for that first 100 issues of Fantastic Four and everything that came around that. So I suppose it depends on on your own personal philosophy. It's only graded like that so people can, can group them into sections when they're selling them. Yeah. I don't, you know, so, I mean, if you're going to break it up like that, then the golden age of Spider-Man is the first 40 issues. And then the silver age is, what, up to issue 200? And then the bronze age is 200 to 300? And then you're into, what, the modern age? I don't know. I don't know how it works, really. Yeah,
4: I think the, the, the modern age is stretching on very, very long because they only give out <laughs> three types of medals at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> so now they don't know what to call anything post-1985. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I've always thought you know, that the Silver Age started with the, uh, the rebooting of Flash with Barry Allen. Uh, and and I, I look at it as more of a storytelling style that separates the ages. So, Marvel didn't have a golden age that you would call Marvel's golden age, but in the golden age of comics, Marvel was producing comics that fit that style, and they had the issues of Submariner and Human Torch and Captain America that fit that style. So, they were part of the golden age of comics, not Marvel's golden age, the golden age of comics. But then the Silver Age started, and... You had you know, the, the style that was coming out then, and I thought Stanley and Jack Kirby kind of progressed that and, and, and made it more sophisticated than what was originally the, the way it was originally started. But I think it all fit together. And then I see the Bronze Age as about the time when Stan started to take a back seat and let uh, guys like Len Wein and Jerry Conway and Steve Engelhard and and Marv Wolfman and all of them take over and start the writing chores. That that's the Bronze Age, because now they started to get to a more mature type of storytelling than had been done before. And what we talked about is how, with the exception of certain things like the Neil Adams Denny O'Neill runs on books, or the uh, initial run of of the New Teen Titans, you know, a couple of things like that, a little bit of Kryptonite, Nevermore. But other than those things, that DC stayed with that Silver Age style of writing pretty much until they got to a Crisis, that they really didn't have a, a, a Bronze Age company-wide as far as the change in storytelling style.
2: Well, I, th- I think it's interesting as well. The Bronze Age, as you're describing it there, is the one that people have the most hard time differentiating, isn't it, anyway? Some of them will say the first O'Neill Adams Batman, and others will say Kryptonite Nevermore. But wasn't there a significant amount of time before those two came out? Well... The
4: O'Neill, uh, the O'Neill uh, Adams Green Lantern was around 69, I think,
3: 69, which would
4: 69. coincide in, in time with, you know, the, the same thing with Marvel when they were getting more mature. But the thing about DC is where Marvel pretty much kind of stepped up and started telling stories in a different way, in a little bit more sophisticated way. DC had spurts of that, but then you'd go back to an issue where, uh, you know, Superman sitting in a dentist chair with a Kryptonian dentist pulling his teeth.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd never really thought about I only really thought about it when somebody once pointed out that Alan Moore wrote the end of the Silver Age of Superman rather than the end of Superman. But if the theory, therefore, then is that he didn't actually have a Bronze Age, then that fits all in quite well.
4: Yeah, I think they tried to have a Bronze Age when they went with Kryptonite Nevermore, but then they, they pretty much gave up on that fairly quickly. Very quick. quickly, yeah
2: oh yeah that's a good point i've not really considered that before that dc didn't have a bronze age apart from you know the purely methodical starting in 1970 ending in 1985 thing in terms of storytelling certainly i mean i've just read a couple of issues of the flash from around 275 300 and i certainly think that that feels very different from the silver age flash
4: yes i agree in fact uh I have a book prepped for Bill and I to cover on Back to the Bins of, uh, what is it? I think it's Flash 276. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and, yeah. and, and yeah, it is a different feel, and that is that is definitely a more Bronze Age feel to it.
2: Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you can read a, a Vartox issue of Superman, I suppose, from the early 80s, and it doesn't feel that different from anything from the late 60s. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you would have to go through and take it on a character-by-character basis, really. But, yeah, I can see his point, yeah.
4: Alright, read your P.S.
0: P.S. Paul, I think you were a little hard on the bill
4: Okay, here we go Now, any child psychologist will tell you Children crave discipline Dr. Bill is a child (laughs) I'm a man child And he needs to be reined in once in a while You don't want, you, trust me You don't want Dr. Bill just running around with no, no guidelines You don't
3: What's the worst Otherwise, that can happen? Another six and a half hours of a time
2: synopsis? <laughs> another Apollo smile? In, in, in
4: all seriousness, in all seriousness, Bill, Bill is one of my very best friends. He really is. And we have a lot of fun on the show, and that's all it is. We're having fun. And if, if, if I ever go over the top with it, it's purely in an attempt to have fun that maybe I take too far. But it's never—it's really, really is never meant to be anything truly vicious, uh, and and that's that's all I could say about it.
0: Well, no, no, no. That being said, what did I say to
4: you after that episode was over? You and Scott were harsh on me. <laughs> you guys
2: were pretty hard on me. And I. <laughs>
4: you know, but, I mean, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit. You know, Bill and I have had this conversation a few times where you know, I know I play it up a little bit and I go go. You know, a little over the top with it sometimes, and we've had a discussion where I've specifically said, "Look, I'm not trying to make you crazy and trying to offend you, or whatever." And if I ever go too far, please rein me right in because that's not what I mean. And and Bill knows I'm that I'm messing with him, and and we have fun with it, and that's all we intend to do.
0: Yeah, because I mean, uh,
4: yeah, it's all it's all shtick. I mean, because you you guys really don't think I'm
0: as stupid as I act, right? Right? Anyone? Uh, uh what? <laughs>
4: I see the other two You don't get a a doctorate in (laughs) podcasting If you're stupid (laughs) stupid. I did (laughs) All right, I think we're gonna call the show to an end Now (laughs) (laughs) Before I say any more sappy things About how highly I think of Dr. Bill Do
1: you need a hug Dr. Bill What do you think is going on here You think you can come to my hotel and take over I talked to Barzini I can make a deal with him and still keep my hotel. Is that why you slap
3: my brother around in public? Oh, no, that that, that was nothing, Mike. Now, no, uh, uh, Moe didn't mean nothing by that. Sure, he flies off the handle once in
1: a while, but, but Moe and me were good friends, right, Mo? huh? I got a business to run. I got to kick asses sometimes to make a run right. We had a little argument, Freddie and I, so I had to straighten him out. You straightened my brother out. He was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. Players couldn't get a drink at the table. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at thebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at com
0: Hi, my name is Bill, and I am an asshole. You know, that, that's what I expect to hear coming out of the speaker one of these days. I never said that.